Unfortunately, Christmas time and the festive season in general can be quite disruptive and hard to handle for a lot of people, particularly those with histories of past trauma or abuse or those that struggle with mental illness. There's, there's multiple things at play here. The, the, the first one is, is there's this expectation of being social and probably for a lot of us, far more social, far more regularly than we would usually do in waking life, right? I know personally, I like to limit my contact with friends and family to small gatherings, to small social events and all of that sort of stuff. However, over this period, there's big gatherings, you know, big family gatherings, big social gatherings with, you know, all the groups you're with and all that sort of stuff. And it's just expected that you come. At least it feels like there's expectation, either overt or subvert. Either way, that expectation sort of wears on you. And if you do end up going, then you're dealing with the social nature. Now, if you're an introvert like myself, there's various strategies that you'll probably learn to implement. But you no doubt realize that there's going to be this increased strain. You add to that the financial burden of gift buying. You add to that the the anxiety that that process can do, you know, getting who do I get it for? What if they don't like it? All of that sort of stuff. You add to that the fact that you're going to be seeing people that you wouldn't necessarily choose to see or choose to spend much time with. If you've got a complex past and your complex past involves members of your family and you now have to spend an extended period of time with them, that's not so great. If your family or your, your, your social group insists on drinking or other drug taking during the festive season as a celebration, you might feel obliged to undertake such, such activities and that might further corrupt your mental state. Or alternatively, you might feel alone. You might feel envious of other people. You might feel like you haven't been invited. You might want to do something but not have the opportunity to do so. For all of these reasons and more, this whole season is quite challenging. And it's no surprise that there's an increase in the rates of self-harm and suicide and drug use and a whole plethora of other things because it all just compounds. So what I wanted to do in this podcast is basically just share with you my approach and my strategies and sort of let you know that you're not alone with feeling this way and that, you know, it's, 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 it's okay and that it's normal and that there are, there are ways through this. And I think the first is to realize like, hey, these feelings that you have, don't feel guilty about it. It's normal, particularly if you come from a similar past to what I've gone through and what a lot of the other listeners to this podcast would go through. So what can you do? Well, the first one is to, to develop self-awareness to know what you are comfortable with and not what, what you're not comfortable with. If you know that you'll struggle with certain interactions or certain people, that's the first step. So then if you know that you're going to struggle, you've got the option to step back. You've got the option to leave early. You've got the option to avoid the situation because you know what's going to trigger you and what bothers you. But you have to have the courage and the fortitude to take those actions. Everything, everything that we do is a societal expectation, right? It's all, it's all this sort of societal pressures and family pressures, religion, culture, all that sort of stuff. You don't actually have to see anyone over the Christmas season. You don't have to get gifts. You don't have to do anything. But there's this expectation. So I think a better view would be to look what triggers you, look at what you actually value in life, and then make a judgment call. If that means you say no to some things and yes to others, or no to everything, or yes to everything, or yes, but with certain conditions in the sense of, well, I'm going to go for a couple of hours, I'm going to leave, that's fine, okay? You've got a couple of options, or a couple of sort of general excuses that you can use. One of them is that you have other things to go to. Another one is that you're feeling sick. 
Another one is that someone you know is feeling sick. I prefer to do to be as open and honest as possible, and I'll literally just say, hey, my mental health isn't up to standard right now. I'm not able to cope because it's the honest truth. And given what I do here and everyone I talk to, they know that I'm open and honest in that way, and I'm actually going to say the truth. I'm not up to it right now. Um, but the follow-up is to say, but I'd want to catch up in person, in private, one-on-one, two-on-one, when I'm feeling better, and then to actually do that. And that way you are saying no to the gathering that would be upsetting, but you're saying yes to seeing the person so they're not feeling too stressed or too saddened by your absence. That's a good approach. But if, if something will cause a dramatic downturn in your mental health and you feel like you just can't manage it and you would prefer to just not go, don't. You don't have to go. Okay, you just, you just don't. All right. If you are struggling with money, and the thought of gifts and value and all that sort of stuff, it will overwhelm you because you, you don't want to go into debt. Don't go into debt. Don't be paying off bullshit Christmas gifts for the next month or year just to do it again next year. Have the conversation. Say like, hey, let's do something together. Let's have an experience. Or say, hey, like, I'd much prefer to spend time with you than have a mutual exchange of gifts. If you're giving a gift to someone just because they're giving a gift to you and there's sort of no real connection or meaning behind those gifts other than sort of obligation... They're not really worth much anyway. A better approach would be to just like, hey, let's spend some time together, right? And when you're there with them, really deeply be with that person. I just, I, 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 I guess I wanted to, to, to bring this topic up because I've had a lot of people talk about with me, you know, in direct messages around this time saying, hey, I'm struggling. Hey, I have to do this with family. Hey, all of this sort of stuff. And I know that if I get a couple of messages, there's a bunch more of you that, are feeling the same way. So if you're in that boat, I feel you. The The other side of all of this is to start working through the issues. So obviously, if you've been following me for a while, you know that I've got a variety of issues with my past, with my present mind state, all of that sort of stuff. But what I do know is, is that the more I exercise, meditate, look after myself, see a therapist, do all the self-care stuff I'm doing, get on the St. John's Wood, all of these things, the better my mental state. And the better my mental state, the better I'm able to deal with social gatherings, but I'm able to deal with Christmas in general. And in fact, it's getting to the stage where I'm sort of looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing people, which is something new for me. I'm not actually used to feeling happy or excited about that sort of stuff. It's us- It usually feels like an obligation that I'm like, oh my God, this is going to hurt. But now I'm starting to, to look forward to it. It's so for me, it, there's this added social burden of my son's birthday. He's born in December. So on top of all of the normal social gatherings, we have you know all of that sort of stuff happening too. So did the social gathering, did the birthday, spoke, talked, did the whole thing. And then I knew myself, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to be overwhelmed and I need to decompress. We got our son a cheap jumping castle, just hired it. So after everyone left, I put on some music, laid on the jumping castle for an hour and just listened and decompressed. Self-care. Right, and that, that worked for me. You know, it was a nice sunny day. I could look up at the sky and just chill. Okay, so it's about learning who you are, what you need, and taking the action necessary. So like I said, do what you got to do. If that means you don't go, don't go. If that means you leave early, leave early. If that means you stay the whole time, stay the whole time. If that means you catch up later on, do so. Just don't compromise your mental state. One of the things I say over and over again is guard your mental state at all costs, whatever that means, Okay. Take that action. This is your permission, not that you need to, but just protect yourself, yeah?
So what I wanted to do for the remainder of the podcast was answer some of your questions. I've you know steadily get a variety of questions and I usually answer them via text or voice message in response. However, I wanted to answer some of these in a little bit more detail on the podcast as sort of a little Christmas gift giving back, right? So the first two questions are very similar, but they came from different people. First one was, how do I get self-worth when I don't have any? And then the second related question was, how can I learn to love myself? And I think these are very similar questions in the sense that it, 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 it's a, it, you, you want to sort of, the self-worth, self-love, it all comes from the same place. But let, let's, let's step back a bit. The fact that you're looking for and wanting to love yourself suggests that you're already partly there. Some people may feel like you, but they don't have that drive to fix the problem, for lack of a better expression. So you're already on the way. You're, by reaching out to me, by, by taking those steps, you're actually showing that you do love yourself, right? I've got multiple approaches to this. I would suggest make positive choices when you can. Okay, so if you have the option to exercise or not, take the option to exercise. If you have the option to eat something healthy or not, choose the healthy option. If you have the opportunity to do some self-care or something self-harming, do the self-care. What I'm getting at is is life's a bunch of choices, small choices repeated daily over and over and over and over and over again, and that sort of adds up. So start making a positive choice where possible. Now, that doesn't really solve the the loving yourself problem. It's like, well, I'll do the right thing for myself, but I don't have that feeling. There's a couple of ways that I would suggest to develop that feeling. The the the, the first one is is to 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 project love outwards. Try and love externally. You know, put love into an animal, put love into a person, put love into an event, a group, a thing. Because by feeling love, by projecting love, you're actually sort of opening yourself up to those sort of feelings. And it's once you've sort of opened up that channel internally, like mentally, psychologically, you can sort of turn that on yourself, right? If you're capable of feeling love and putting that for someone else, then you can put that back on yourself. The next thing I would suggest is to realize that, this will sound a bit pessimistic, but you've got, you got, you got to think that everyone's looking at the world from their own internal perspective. So that means most people are going to be putting themselves first. This doesn't mean everyone's selfish, it's just based on our perception. We're looking out of our eyes, we're feeling our own feelings, where, you know, pleasure and pain come from internal, right? Um, we have to live in our own bodies and our own histories and our own past and our own souls, all that sort of jazz. We're going to be putting ourselves first. So with that in mind, I would suggest that you realize that that's happening and say like, hey, I've got to put myself first here. You know, I've got to guard my mental state. I've got to do the things for myself. And it's actually completely not selfish because if you're in a better state, you can actually help other people. The, 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 the final thing I would suggest would be to read a book by Kamal Ravenkart. I'm going to put this link down below in the podcast notes called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. Perfect title, because really, your life does depend on it. He has three main suggestions that you should do. Number one is develop a I love myself self-talk cycle, as in literally just repeat the words like a mantra in your head. I love myself, 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 right? It sounds disingenuous at the first times. It might not sound that great, but you're basically programming yourself. So a thought comes, I love myself. So another thought comes, I love myself. Emotions, memories, everything all comes back to I love myself. So you're tying your whole brain, all your synapses are tied to the thought of loving yourself. The second part is a daily meditation practice. He suggests find a song and play the song to yourself every morning. Big, big breath in. I love myself. Big, deep breath out. 
let go of whatever thoughts pop up. I love myself, let go. I love myself, let go. And the final thing is, when you're making a decision, ask yourself, would someone who loves themselves do this? If yes, do it. If no, choose a better option. I found massive help from those three things. Give it a try. I'll link the book. It's a one-hour listen on Audible, um, and you'll, you won't regret it. Trust me. There's also, and I suggest this every every podcast almost, meditation. Mindfulness meditation. I'll put a link down to my Skillshare course. Two months free access with the link there. So just sign up, give it a listen, start. What meditation does is it helps you to detach from your thoughts. So it won't necessarily help you to love yourself, but it'll help you to not hate yourself. Thoughts of self-hate come in. Rather than being stuck in them and sort of losing yourself in them, you can step back and see them, and then they just let go and pass. And then just in that moment. Not hating yourself is a good first step to starting to appreciate yourself. And not only that, you are actually doing something very, very beneficial for yourself, not just in the self-love aspect, but in all aspects. So consider that. So check out the book, check out the meditation course, get started. A different topic question, which is a very simple question. What sort of microphone are you using? What sort of software do you use to edit the podcast? Um, Because they want to make their own podcast and go ahead and I strongly, strongly encourage you, if you've got something to say, share it with the world, share your honest truth, and over time people will start following you because the more honest you are, people want that honesty, that appreciation, and whatever you're into, other people are into it too. So get it out there. This is a Shure microphone, MB5. I'll put a link down to that below so you can grab yourself uh, one of those as well. It was about, I think, 120-ish. Um, so pretty cheap entry microphone. Just plug it into the computer via USB. You're good to go. And then with the computer, I use editing software called Audacity and basically just click, you know, um, remove background noise and a bunch of little stuff. It's very self-explanatory. If you're not sure how to do it, just quick Google and you'll be able to figure it out. Very simple. Um, so sure, MB5, link down below to grab that. And Audacity, I'll put a link onto the website. It's free software. Give it a crack. Just get started. And in terms of the phone, it's a iPhone XR in terms of if you're watching it on the video. Okay, next question. How do I know if I'm meditating right? How do you know? <laughs> I, I've long struggled with this one myself because, you know, you're doing it internally. You know, any sport, any words, any anything external, a coach, a teacher, a boss, whatever, can critique you. But how do you know that you're doing meditation right? Because it's all in there. A couple of things to realize. One, you can only have the meditation that you're having. Two, look at the results. Are you feeling calmer? Are you focusing better? Is life generally improving? Now, I would caveat that with make sure you've been meditating for, you know, a good few months because it takes a while for the benefits to start kicking in. Um, and three, I would suggest you either find a meditation coach in person, you know, a some sort of instructor, guru, online person, courses, whatever, books, and compare what they're saying to your experience. You can only ever have the meditation that you're having. So... How do you know you're doing it right? You can't, right? But if you're following the practice with all earnest and you're you're critically reviewing, okay, am I doing this? Am I being honest with myself? So when I meditate, I start to find myself drifting off. And if I'm listening to a guided meditation, it's like, and return your thoughts back to this. Now, re- return your thoughts back to the breath or back to whatever. If I don't do it in that moment, I'm not being honest. And then that 10 minutes of meditation, I'm not really meditating because I'm just letting myself mind wander. I'm not doing the thing. So at the start of your meditation practice, no matter how you're meditating, set the intention for this 10 minutes or whatever time. For this 10 minutes, I will focus on my breath. For this 10 minutes, I will 
practice loving kindness meditation. Well, for these 10 minutes, I will let my thoughts wander and not attach to them. And just try and follow that process. If you're not sure, please connect with me. Talk me through what you're feeling. Talk me through the style that you're meditating. If it's one that I practice, I can give you some advice. If not, I can link you to books and other resources and that sort of stuff. Once again, check out the meditation course that I've put up. I've got, I think, four up on Skillshare, all free access via the link down below for two months. And that'll give you some guidance, including a two-hour mega course, which goes into a lot of depth on this topic. Um, a lot of troubleshooting and different ideas and varieties and all that sort of stuff. So please contact me, connect with me look up your books or get an in-person instructor because all of those things will help. But just realize you can only have the meditation that you're having. So even if you're not doing it right, if you're sitting down daily, you're taking steps towards it. Look to the results, look to the progress, look to your ability to sit there for a longer period of time, look to your concentration, right? Over time, you'll start to intuit if you're doing it right or wrong. And there really is, like there is a wrong way to do it, but the intent is there. If you're sitting down and you're attempting to do it, and you're following the instructions in earnest, you're well on the way. Keep going. If you need that specific guidance, reach out to me or reach out to an in-person instructor and you'll, you'll, you'll get the benefit, trust me. Similar topic. I've had a couple of questions in relation to my Creator Morning Ritual Skillshare course of basically like I'm struggling to maintain a morning routine. How do I maintain a morning routine? How can I stick to it? Now, a morning routine is great in terms of you can get through certain things of what you do. I've updated my morning routine. I write for an hour. I'm writing my next fiction novel, Lucidity. I'm at about 10,000 words and I'm maybe a tenth of the way through the novel. So it's going to be a big novel. I'll obviously cut it down and edit it and all that sort of stuff. But writing for about an hour, meditating for about 40 minutes and exercising for about 40 minutes, and then a little bit of Russian language learning. Why am I doing that whole process? because it guarantees that I get it done. Particularly with the writing, I was sort of looking at writing this novel as this big thing, and I would sort of plan ahead, and I'll get all freaked out by it, and then as I sat down, I was like, oh my God, I'm under so much pressure, and I just wasn't able to, to write as well. But now, I've sat down every single day, and I'm averaging about a half a chapter every day, plus a blog post every second or third day. So I'm actually getting a lot done. The creative juices are flowing. It's happening. Same thing with the meditation. I'm guaranteeing myself that meditative boost to my mental state because it's an amazing thing for me. And the final thing with the exercise, I need it for my mental state. I guarantee that I'm doing it. That's why. But how can you stick to it? What stopped me from starting a morning routine when I first started was I went too hard too soon. So I'm telling you those those figures. I'm saying I do an hour of writing, 40 minutes of meditation, 40 minutes of exercise, and like 10 minutes of, of writing. That's almost three hours, right? 10 minutes of Russian language. Three hours. That's a long, lot of stuff to go like, hey, start. That's probably why you're not, you're not able to do it because you're going too hard too soon. If I started with that, like I did when I tried, it wouldn't work. It's a slow build up. So let's say I was starting afresh now. What would I do? I'd start waking up a touch earlier, getting up as early as I could without sacrificing sleep. Sleep is very important. And then I'll start adding. I might add five minutes of meditation, five minutes of exercise, and five minutes of writing right? Small little bits, 15 minutes, even less if you, if that's too much. One minute exercise, one minute meditation, right? Start somewhere and slowly add more over time, over time, over time. If you go too hard too soon, you're likely to struggle because it's you've got that motivation at the start, but what if your motivation wanes? The idea of a morning routine is, is that you do it no matter what, even if you're not motivated. You just get up and this is what you do. This is just how you are. 
So motivation comes and goes, but this is just what you do. So you're guaranteeing to get the exercise and you're guaranteeing to get the meditation and the writing, all of that sort of stuff. Some days are easy, some days are hard, some days you're motivated, some days you're not, but this is just what you do. That's why it's good. So start small and slowly add until you get to that level. Now, some days I'll meditate double, triple that time. Some days I'll exercise half or double, right? Sometimes I'll write a bit more or a bit less. So I do vary it up a bit, but I guarantee that I get those things in. You might be starting too soon, too quick. The stuff in your morning routine, you might not be, you might be doing it not really for yourself because you want to, but for someone else or for some ideal. If it's, if it's not in line with your values, if you don't want it, it's going to be so much harder to even just, you're going to be far less motivated, far less drive, and it will fall to the wayside. And finally, you might have an issue with family or friends, you know, that you're living with getting in the way. The people I live with know my morning routine. That's what I do. If I stay somewhere else for a night, I'm still getting up and doing my morning routine, right? I'll take my laptop, take my phone with the, the guided meditations. I can do exercise on the flat ground or on just, you know, go for a run, right? I will still do it. And the people that I'm with know that that's the case because I've let them know prior. I'm not surprising anyone. And that's just what I do. Once again, if you're struggling, connect with me. Let me know your specific struggles because obviously there might be something specific there. But if you're struggling to, connect, to, to make that morning routine happen, might be too hard too soon, people might not be on board with it, or you might be doing something that isn't really to your values. So give it a try. Two more questions. Well, this is sort of an amalgamation. This, this next one is an amalgamation of a bunch of questions, but it basically comes along with the question of, there's a bunch of backstory for all of them, obviously. But it's basically, should I leave my partner? Should I quit my job? Should I make some sort of change? And they're asking me for advice. Now, it's very hard for someone external to the situation to give you advice, like actionable advice. Like, you know, if I talk to you for a decent amount of time, if I'm coaching you and we're, you know, having a conversation over the phone or in person, I can be like, okay, I'll get all of the details and I can really nut it out. However... If you, you know, give me a small paragraph or even a couple of paragraphs, it's hard for me to make a proper judgment. And I'm very tentative to say do one or the other thing. So what I tend to do is we'll ask them a few questions or make point out a few things. The fact that they're asking me if they should make a change suggests something, right? Because if they weren't thinking about it, they wouldn't be asking me point over. So you're already thinking about making a change. So then it's like, okay, do you like where your life is now? Would you like to be in this same place five years from now? Same person, same jobs, etc. Because if you do, fine. But then often it's like, well, I wouldn't, but there's a lot of sort of self-worth issues. There's a lot of um, history of past trauma or neglect or abuse that sort of confounds them. And they, people start thinking, it's like, well, this is the best that I can do. So then it's like, okay, can you work on yourself? You know, is it the best you can do? Can you start doing some self-care, self-routines, you know, exercise, improve, self-improvement? Because if you're self-improving, you will find that you will start developing a better standard. The better I treat myself, the better standard of people around me I want because it's just, it's expected. Because if I'm talking to people and they treat themselves like shit, I just can't relate to it as much anymore. I don't want that sort of energy near me. So you can start working on yourself. I would also suggest, particularly for partners, but for work as well, ask a couple of questions. If your current partner treated you the way they treat you now, when you first got together, what have you got together with them? Yeah? If your partner treated you how they treat you now, 
when you first got together, would you get together with them? New person. Yes or no? If it's a no, might be some issues there. Secondly, if your partner, this is your sexual partner, romantic partner, whatever, if they were someone of the same gender, now I say the same gender for a straight person, but the logic is this, if you're not sexually attracted to this person, yeah, if there was, if you took sex out of the picture, would they be your best friend? Would you feel confident in sharing yourself with them, opening up to them, being truthful to them? Because if you can't, potentially your sexual feelings for that person are clouding your judgment. You know, there's always those cases of people that are highly attractive but not that great for you, right? And it's hard to let go because you're confused by what you see, yeah? So would you be their best friend if there was no sexual attraction there? Same thing for the job. Is this your dream job? Are you enjoying this job? Is it bringing you something more than money? If you if you won the lottery and you didn't have to work, would you do this sort of work for free? Would you do this work out of the joy of the work? I aim to try and move towards that process. Now, obviously, every, it's not the best analogy because every job has little things that aren't that great. But if you could see yourself doing 70% of your job for free just because you love it, maybe not the same amount of hours, but just as something to do because you're retired and no need for money, what would you do? Would you do that job? If no, maybe there's a question. In general, should you make a change? I, um, I'm always trying to work out if I'm in a rut. And if I do discover that I'm in a rut, I'm going to make a change because it's, it's comfortable. It's safe. You know, you're doing the same thing with the same people, getting the same results. And it's just this sense of safety. But unfortunately, life is constantly changing. Things change. People leave. People do this. You'll feel this. You get old. Desires change, everything changes. So the rut itself, the comfortable rut, is a lie. But you can get trapped there. My, my, my reasoning is this. If you're going to make a change, make it sooner rather than later, because then you can adapt to your new life quicker. I know a bunch of people that have been complaining about their partner and their job and a whole bunch of other things, you know, for years. And had they have made a change five, ten years ago, when I first heard them complaining about it, they would have a new partner. They would have a new job. They wouldn't even be thinking about the old thing. But instead, they chose to stay in the comfortable rut. You know, it's like, oh, well, it's, my job's not that great, but, you know, it's got these little benefits. Do you like it? Is it great? Imagine if you had have quit and changed 10 years ago. Where would you be now? That's the sort of thing. Now, obviously, this is a potentially fairly disruptive approach to life. You've got to balance all of this stuff with your commitments to your family, to yourself, to all of the other things, your values, all of that sort of stuff. But if you're considering asking me, some person that you're listening to online, whether you should make a change, you sort of already know the answer, right? <laughs> Finally, um, I've had a couple of people recently say, what can I do for you for Christmas? Um, they're, they're wanting to know if I have a postal address, they can give me gifts or <laughs> that sort of stuff. Um, firstly, I'm very flattered. Thank you. Um, I'm not after, nor do I expect, nor do I want anything. Just send me a message. I appreciate it. Say hi, say thank you, say that you enjoyed whatever blog or, or book or anything that you've discovered of mine, the podcast, I don't, I don't mind. 
I've said this to a couple of people and they've come back, no, no, I really want to do something for you. So to them, I sent them a link to my support page on my website, showed them what helps to keep this whole process going, like the Patreon support and other stuff. So I'm going to put the link down below if that's you. Um, I feel very humbled that people would consider um, me worthy of such... I don't know. <laughs> it's embarrassing to me. Um, but yes, to to those people that have reached out, that have sent lovely messages, that have provided support, that have bought the books or signed up to the courses or done all of that sort of stuff. Cheers. I really appreciate it. Um, and as a separate note, similarly to the people that have been there for me when I've been struggling and offered a lending ear and all of that sort of stuff, thank you as well. I can't stress that enough. Just, it's wonderful. So without further ado, I'll sign off. Thanks for listening. Um, look after yourself this holiday season. Yeah. It's it's okay. It's going to end. New year, 2020. Let's get some. <laughs>